Ecclesiastes chapter 9, please, tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, we're going to finish the chapter and look at a message titled, Wisdom is Little Appreciated. You ever notice that? Solomon gives an illustration of how little true wisdom is really appreciated. Now think of this. When Jesus Christ was walking here on earth, the crowds came to him not because so much of his wisdom, but because of the miracles he did. But God incarnate speaking to him. You think that they would flock to hear such wisdom, don't you? But they didn't. They flocked to watch miracles. They came. Did he not even, when the crowd came to him after he fed him, say, you're not even here to listen. You're here to be fed again. You know, and so... Let's read this here in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, starting at verse 13. It says, the, This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. There was a little city, and few men within it. And there came a great king against it, and besieged it, and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in, in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no man remembered the same poor man. Then said I, Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. The words of wise men are heard and quiet more than the city of him that rolleth among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. A lot packed into this short little passage. So let's ask the Lord for his guidance and we'll dig in tonight. Father, again, thank you so much for your word, and I pray as we examine this passage tonight again, Lord, you speak to our hearts and help us to remember, although the world does not appreciate true wisdom, Lord, may we learn to understand that true wisdom comes from you, and may we have a greater appreciation for it. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The superiority of wisdom is first thing I want us to see. The superiority of wisdom. You know, wisdom does not equal earthly riches. What does verse 15 say? It was found in the, a what? Wise man? Poor. You know, riches don't equate to wisdom. There's a lot of rich, dumb people. I will go so far as to say education does not equate to wisdom. There's a lot of educated idiots. Wisdom comes from God. Some of the wisest people I have met never finished high school. You do realize just a few generations ago, to finish the eighth grade was quite an accomplishment, right? But yet, look at the wisdom of some of those. Because their wisdom did not come from men's thinking. The ones that are truly wise know God. And there is strength in wisdom. Verse 16, Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. But Proverbs 24, 5 says, A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. Proverbs 21, 22, A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty, and casteth down the strength and confidence thereof. You know, if you're going to go to war, you've got to have somebody with enough wisdom to draw the plan. Right? It can't just be, let's go. You know, it's been interesting to me. 
over the last several years, as we see our nation declining, people like, well, maybe we just need to take up arms. I'm like, okay, well, we got a couple problems with that. Number one, we haven't finished all the diplomatic methods of maybe trying to save our nation. That's number one. But number two, identifying for me a clear enemy. And then number two, identify for me how we're going to have a clear plan and an army to do this. I don't know. Let's just do it. And that's the problem sometimes, way too often in life. I'm just going to do it. But what's your plan? I don't have a plan. Just going to do it. It was not the strength of the men to save the city, but the poor wise men. So here the city is besieged by this great king. And it says, now there was found in, the, in, the, in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. You know, now it doesn't say what it was that he did, okay, because it's a proverb to help us understand this whole concept of true godly wisdom is little appreciated because it says nobody remembered him. Nobody remembered this wise poor man because nobody typically gives credit where credit's due. That's part of the issue. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, verse 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. That's where I got that statement from. But one sinner destroyeth much good. You know, we in the United States of America have some pretty impressive weapons, do we not? But if you don't know how to use that weapon, what good is it to you? It was actually interesting to me. Uh, last summer, I guess it was, we were watching, um, I guess it was during the school year. Anyhow, we were watching Harrison and Scarlett, uh, and I decided a good field trip would be to take them down to the North Carolina. Forgetting that the young generation does not think like this old man does. However, they thought it absolutely boring. But you know what's impressive to me is that is a relatively large vessel compared to a lot of Navy ships. Now it's not as large as a carrier. But in order to get the guns turned and be able to fire, you don't fire uh, forward and aft. You fire broadside. So the ship has to be turned into position. The guns have to be turned in position. The pitch has to be calculated and everything else and as a matter of moments in order for them to be able to fire. And when you look around the ship, you have the plotting room that's plotting all this out. You have the guys driving the rudders in the back. You have the engine room controlling the engine. You have the, the ones that control the turret and turning the turret and pitch, getting to pitch. You have the guys loading the ammo into it and all of it working like clockwork. Now, that even from the 40s, today is still quite an impressive weapon. But if you didn't have everyone doing their part, knowing how to do their part, and doing it exactly right, the weapon would be absolutely worthless. You see what I'm saying? You know, it takes the wisdom in order to be able to make it work. Of course, talking about wisdom and education, and you guys that are in aviation would appreciate this one. My dad always used to say, it took a doctorate degree to design the aircraft, a master's degree to build the aircraft, a bachelor's degree to fly the aircraft, and a high school diploma to fix it after it broke. I'm like, yep. 
And when you talk to some mechs, it is pretty interesting some of the things that would happen to get those aircraft in the air when they had to be in the air. We'll not talk about those in public. How about that? We just go on. Here's some biblical examples of wisdom being better than weapons of war. How about the second time Joshua went up to Ai and God gives him the battle plan? Okay, I want you to set up an ambush and... I want you to go in, I want you to start uh, set up the attack, and then I want you to withdraw, pull them out of the city, and then those lying in ambush are going to come and light the city on fire. You know, it really cut down on a whole lot of fighting. Because, trust me, as soon as they saw their city on fire, it was pretty easy to defeat them then, right? A whole lot easier to defeat them then. Gideon! Remember Gideon had this huge army and God said, you have way too many, Gideon. So anybody's afraid, send them home. So he sends them home. God says, you have too many. So we're going to do this little test. And he takes them down to the water and tells them all to get a drink. And those that drink in the proper fashion that are still prepared for war, God says, these are the ones we're going to use. Now Gideon's left with 300 guys. How is he supposed to go to war with 300 people? And so he says, here's what you're going to do, Gideon. You're going to take, you're going to have a, uh, a pitcher, and they're going to break the lamp, lamp inside the pitcher, and they're going to break the pitcher, and they're going to shout, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. That's the battle plan. But you know what's interesting? When I studied this, the reason why it created such confusion is because from my understanding, it would be like the captains and whatnot had the lanterns. Not everybody carried a lantern in the battle. And so when you had 300 of them all of a sudden light up, the enemy all of a sudden thinks, that's a whole lot of troops out there. They weren't there, but it looked like it. And all of a sudden, there's such confusion that they're killing each other off because they think we must be invaded by now. That's using wisdom. And who gave both of those battle plans? God did. That's true wisdom. As a matter of fact, by the way, I have been told the war colleges today still study the battle plans that God gave in the Bible. I was told that just a few years back. Probably, okay, it's probably 20 years back now thinking about it. But I was told back then they, the war colleges were still studying the biblical battles. I find that amazing. But it's also interesting in verse 18, it says, But one sinner destroyeth much good. Well, we can think of another biblical example of that one, can't we? How about Mr. Aiken, who, when they went in to take over Jericho, God said, okay, this is the first city you're going to conquer. All the spoils belong to me. But Aiken, as he's standing there, he sees that Babylonian garment, he sees that wedge of gold, and he says, you know, God, you really don't need those. I think I do. So he steals them. And this is why, by the way, when they went up against Ai the first time, they lost. That several were killed because of the sin of Achan. And now you have the nation defeated. And so, as Joshua is following the command of God to find out who this was, and they finally get to Achan, who never did admit it until he's pointed out. Where is it, Aiken? Oh, it's hid. It's buried in my tent. You ever think of how dumb that was? He stole it, but he couldn't show anybody because he wasn't supposed to have it, so he hides it and buries it. It's like, anyhow, 
they bring out Achan. They bring out his tent. They bring out everything he has. They bring out his family. And his whole family dies because of the sin of one man. There can be much destruction because of one sinner. This is why it's important we not only heed true wisdom, but we understand true wisdom. So, when a wise man is heard, it's usually in quiet and without fanfare. Verse 17, the words of the wise are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that rolleth among fools. You ever watch our Congress talking, or worse yet, you ever watch British Parliament? A whole lot of noise being said. You know, I forget which justice it was, but one of the justices of the Supreme Court went years with really out, without saying much of anything. But then when he would speak, everybody would be quiet and listen. You see, because the wise doesn't have to have a lot of words. The one that has their mouth running constantly usually is not the wisest person in the room. Usually, honestly, it's the most foolish person in the room that has their mouth running and running and running. Most men and women of wisdom are a few words. But when they speak, do not people tend to listen? Sometimes. It's in quiet, although, unfortunately, many times it's rejected. But you know, a lot of the wisest decisions ever made never came from the one that's out in the limelight. You know, it, Congress has advisors and has a whole staff. Kings had advisors. Some of the wise ones still do. A lot of times the wise ideas came from somebody second, third, fourth, or just some nobody who's a, an advisor to the king. I mean, do we not see Joseph giving advice to Pharaoh? Do we not see Daniel giving advice to kings? Do we not see this in Scripture? Now, who do you think really takes the credit for it then, though? Well, when it works out well, the king takes the credit. When it doesn't work out so well, he blames the advisor and fires him. We still do that today, don't we? <laughs> well, he told me to do so. Get rid of him. But here's the problem. Go back to verse 15. And this is the second point, the rejection of wisdom. Now there was found in, the, in it, in this city, a poor wise man, and he by wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered the same poor man. He was forgotten. The one who spoke to wisdom, the one who truly delivered the city, the one who would deserve the praise of others, would he not? I mean, if he delivered the city, you think that something would be nice said of him? He's forgotten. But then you come to verse 16. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is what? Despised. And his words are not heard. Despised has the idea regarded with contempt. But was not the king of Israel and the king of Judah together? And they call the prophet and the king of Israel says, well, yeah, but I don't like him because he never speaks good. Never says anything nice about me. 
But what the, what the prophet was saying was true. And you know, the world still does not want to hear the truth. Monday night, I told my colleagues, I said, you all know I carry into our meetings. I hold up my Bible. I said, my Bible, my Constitution, my North Carolina Constitution. I said, because I go in that order to determine whether something should be done or not. I said, this decision of mandating vaccines doesn't make it off of step one because it violates a man's conscience if they choose not to get it. And some of them just kind of listen, whatever, move on. You know, as parents, I think some of the most frustrating times, and I think everybody who's a parent here could attest to this, when you give your children godly wisdom, godly advice, and then they choose not to follow it. But how many times, Christian, before we get upset at everybody else, has somebody come to us with godly wisdom, godly advice, or we've heard something, the Holy Spirit has convicted us in a message, or as we're reading the Scripture ourselves, studying the Scripture, the Holy Spirit says this is something in your life, you need to have this wisdom, do we forget it or do we reject it? Too often, I think we're guilty of the same thing. Because when God brings to something from His Word and shows me and enlightens it, that this is an area that I do not have wisdom. I need to change something in my life to line up with God, whatever it might be. Then true wisdom would say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. That's the way I'll do it. But sometimes we act too foolish and still want to do it our way. Again, be reminded, this book is written by the wisest man who ever walked the face of this earth. Is that not what God said? He gave him wisdom. It would never was before or never will be. The only one wise that ever walked this earth was Jesus Christ. But he's God, God in the flesh. And yet with all his wisdom, I was even asked this just the other week. How is it possible the wisest man that ever lived went and did some of the dumbest things ever recorded? How is it possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. His wisdom didn't eradicate his sin nature. Solomon still had a sin nature. So even though he had the wisdom, guess what? He rejected the wisdom. He chose rather to live like a fool. And it's sad because you read the book of Proverbs and you're like, wow, such rich and beautiful wisdom. And then you come to Ecclesiastes and you said, yes, I had all that wisdom. But I chose the life of the fool, and it was empty. It was worthless. It was vanity. I don't understand the mentality, and I hear this often. Well, my parents did it. Well, my grandparents did it. Well, my friends did it. Okay, so just because they lived foolish before means it's right for you to live foolish. That is the rejection of wisdom. And yet, so many times, these same young people will have their parents saying, look, yes, I did do that, but I have regrets for it, and I would not do it again if I had the opportunity to do it over. 
Their friends are telling them, no, don't do it. Their grandparents tell them, no, don't do it. Well, you know what? It was good enough for you. I'm going to do it anyhow. Wisdom really, truly is not appreciated because the world likes their humanistic philosophy, and that's what they want to indulge themselves in. Because true wisdom says marriage is between one man, one woman, and you are not to have sexual relations until you are married. But the world wants to teach that it's abnormal to wait. True wisdom teaches that drinking, smoking, and you know, chewing and all the other vices that people do are going to potentially shorten your life. That you're giving yourself over to the alcohol, that you're probably going to end up with lung damage. You definitely have dragon breath, that's for sure. But the world doesn't want to hear true wisdom because I'm the one that's going to get away with it. True wisdom is so little appreciated in this world. However, true wisdom is still far superior to man's wisdom. Therefore, Christian, even though the world will not appreciate you being one who walks in wisdom, do so anyhow. Because it doesn't matter that the world doesn't appreciate it. Because it brings pleasure to God walking in His wisdom. So don't worry what the world says. Don't worry that they mock you and say that that's just foolish. Well, that's not the way it really is. Well, Dr. So-and-so says. Well, the Bible says. Oh, you believe that book of myths? It's not a book of myths. It is the very Word of God. And having the wisdom of this book is so much better. There's strength in it. It's better than weapons of war. And it's going to save, again, verse end of verse 18, where one sinner destroys much good. It's going to save you from being that one who's going to destroy much. So let's not reject wisdom. Even though the world does, Let's not reject true wisdom. Let's bow forward to prayer.